Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League. Did you know that tomorrow night we will have our first preseason game of the 2019 season? It will be the Falcons and the Broncos. It will be part of the Hall of Fame festivities. It will be nationally televised by NBC tomorrow night. Remember, your Panthers open next Thursday against the Bears. We will have yet another on-site correspondent from Spartanburg, where Carolina Panthers camp has been held and continues to be held. David Newton of ESPN will be our Panthers correspondent. We'll talk all things NFL, as Michael Thomas, elite wideout, does have a new deal with the Saints. Remember, he had been holding out, but everybody thought that was going to come together quickly. Now we know that it has come together quickly. Meanwhile, Julio Jones of the Falcons also wants a new deal. He actually has two years remaining on his existing contract. Most owners flinch when their players in that sport ask for a renegotiation. Julio is 30 years old, and we learned today that he will not take place in any of the Falcons preseason games. He is recovering from a minor foot surgery. He has his representatives working on a contract extension. He is scheduled to make 21 million plus over the next two years. Could the Julio Jones story turn into a headache? The Michael Thomas story has not. Cowboys versus Zeke Elliott, Chargers versus Melvin Gordon. You know those running back holdout stories. We'll get to them as well. Kyler Murray is making positive impressions as the rookie QB for the Arizona Cardinals, number one overall after that Heisman Trophy with the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll get into all things football, including college football with Tim Brando, Fox Sports legend. College football players report tomorrow at most of the schools we follow. Practice begins Friday at most of the schools we follow near and afar. Timmy B on all things college football. Will it be Clemson and Alabama and everybody else one more time? If you follow our work at accsports.com or theathletic.com, I have new articles in both of those places. One is a roundtable on ACC football. That's at accsports.com. Check it out when you can. The Athletic Carolina is the host for my latest on ACC football more generally. Who will join the Clemson Tigers, if anyone, in that upper echelon of college football from the ACC? Last year, remember, only Syracuse even made the top 25 in the final polls. So it was not quite Florida State and the eight dwarfs, as we called ACC football for most of the 1990s, when it was Bobby Bowden Seminoles, and then in most years, a big drop to anybody else in the ACC. We know this is a rich and deep basketball league. Current ACC members have won six of the last 11 national championships. That's more than half the time. And usually, they not only win the national title, there's a whole bunch of depth behind whoever wins the title. Roy Williams in Carolina, Mike Krzyzewski in Duke, last year, Tony Bennett and UVA. The ACC in football would love to get to a place where it's not only Florida State and Clemson winning three of the last six national championships. Easy to forget that Jimbo Fisher Seminoles title back in 2013. Dabo has two of the last three for Clemson, and that means... For the ACC, you're winning the national title half the time. Six of the last 11 in men's basketball, three of the last six in football. 
They're the two sports that get almost all the attention. They are the two sports that pay all of the bills. There are no questions about ACC basketball moving forward. There are significant questions about whether anyone can join Clemson in that upper echelon nationally. We'll talk with Tim Brando about those topics and many more. And you can check out those articles at accsports.com and posted just this morning at theathletic.com and The Athletic Carolina. If you missed it, my article on the ACC Network and its upcoming launch roughly three weeks from now set all sorts of records for that website. It was the most read article over three straight days for several of their subsites, including The Athletic Carolina. I spent three months working on that article, so I hope you'll enjoy the product of that work at The Athletic Carolina and in the pages of the ACC Sports, Sports Journal magazine that will have its glossy kickoff edition out a little bit later uh, or a little bit later in August, I should say, maybe a couple weeks from right now. Ron Green Jr. is going to drop by today. Timmy B. on college football and other things in our second hour. Ron Green Jr. from the Global Golf Post. The Wyndham Championship begins play tomorrow right here at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. It is one of the two annual PGA Tour stops. We do get to enjoy Jordan Spieth and a lot of the other top golfers in the world. Ron Green Jr. on golf second hour. Tim Brando on football second hour. David Newton will be the live correspondent from Panthers camp in Spartanburg on not just the Panthers, but the holdouts, the quarterbacks, the injuries, and the good news for a team like New Orleans, neighbor of the Panthers in the NFC South, the star wideout Michael Thomas has come to an agreement on a contract extension, according to ESPN and others. They reported that earlier today. Five years, $100 million for Michael Thomas, an amazing talent out of Ohio State. They got him in the second round from the Buckeyes. Five years, $100 million overall, $61 million in guaranteed money. Michael Thomas of the Saints just became the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. Maybe Julio Jones has his eye on those numbers as he continues his conversations with the Atlanta Falcons elsewhere in the NFC South. David Newton, third hour. We will mix in a classic sports movie challenge. It is a July-only offering here at the David Glenn Show. We have had happy prize winners throughout this month scattered all over North Carolina and beyond. We will have intern Philip representing Appalachian State University. We play the audio of one of the top 50 sports movies as you, our statewide listeners, voted that long, long ago. Philip picks something from the top 50. We play the audio first to correctly name that classic sports movie, gets his or her pick from the David Glenn Show prize closet. That'll be coming up in hour number three in between or among our three guests today during the course of the afternoon. Major League Baseball's trade deadline is today at 4 p.m. Some big names... Yasiel Puig of Cincinnati goes to Cleveland. Trevor Bauer of Cleveland goes to Cincinnati. The Mets, we knew, acquired Marcus Stroman for their rotation from Toronto. They also sent Jason Vargas from their rotation to my Philadelphia Phillies. It did become clear today that Thor is staying in New York. So Noah Syndergaard taken back from the trading block. We'll see if Zach Wheeler or Edwin Diaz or anyone else moves on from the lowly Mets as they're in the mix trade deadline-wise, but really out of the mix playoff-wise. To me, Major League Baseball, as these teams make these decisions today, again, there's no separate trade deadlines this year. It's a new rule, so it has to happen today by 4 p.m. If you're the Dodgers, the Astros, or the Yankees, it is time to reach for another ring. 
You are the best in baseball. Doesn't mean you don't need tweaks. Yankees could use a starting pitcher, for example. But you are in a position of power. Reach for the ring. After that, if I'm the Red Sox of Darren Vaught, our producer, or the Braves, a resurgent team in Atlanta, especially heading into and coming out of the All-Star break, maybe the Twins, I don't know how much longer I would make that list. I would love to say my Philadelphia Phillies are in that mix. Not really. Like, even if they acquired somebody significant, I can't say it's worth mortgaging the future. To me, if you're one of those top six, though, Dodgers, Astros, Yankees, Red Sox, Twins, Braves, you might be able to talk me into somebody else. Like if you're an Indians fan or an A's fan or a Nationals fan or a Cubs fan or a Rays fan or a Cardinals fan, maybe, maybe. It all depends on, of course, what is offered in return or, or what you're getting in return and what you have to give to get it. Madison Bumgardner of the Giants, Zach Greinke of Arizona, they are two prominent, uh, prominent starting pitchers who had been rumored to be on the move but might end up staying put. Of course, my staff will be all over it. Any breaking news from the Major League Baseball trade deadline, trade deadline we will get to you immediately here on the David Glenn Show. I was asked yesterday, as I say hello to Darren Vaught, the producer of this program, we look forward to those three guests and that classic sports movie challenge. DG, I was surprised you didn't chime in on the LeBron James-Jason Whitlock back and forth yesterday. You know me, Darren, man. Like, if something comes from Sports Radio 101 and it's in the textbook and everybody's talking about it and I'm just not all that jacked up about it, I, I can't fake it. I'm just not good at pretending that I care. It's a guy in Jason Whitlock who is in the business of creating hot takes. Now, I won't put him in like a Skip Bayless, you sold your journalistic soul so long ago that I'll never take you seriously again. I won't quite, quite put him to that level of ridiculousness. But yeah, their jobs, it's a churn out material at a slower time of the year. So I'm sure most of you caught it by now. Whitlock said that LeBron James is an attention junkie. He even compared it to an actual addiction, to an actual drug, whose theatrics at his son's basketball game are, A, designed to build LeBron's social media brand, B, a byproduct of LeBron being this attention junkie. I, don't, I just saw it as not that big of a deal. And, and my bottom line there, as we get on to other things today, and of course I'll take more of your tweets and emails throughout the course of today's program, my bottom line there is that I'm not taking a shot at a guy who grew up without a dad and is clearly invested in his son's lives. Now, I don't, I'm not a psychoanalyst. Like, is he addicted to attention? I've never really thought that about LeBron. But is he an invested dad? I don't think you need an advanced degree to answer that. Yes. Once you start going into psychoanalysis and what is he and what he isn't, I just kind of leave that stuff on the back burner. I am somebody who admires and respects LeBron James. If you think he went over the top just the way you think other parents could go over the top, maybe you've seen me at my own kids' youth soccer games. That's all good. I'm just not all that charged up about a topic that, of course, was part of the car wash in sports radio over the last 24 to 48 hours. It is kind of routine as Darren and I do things around here. If we don't find it all that compelling or we don't have something valuable to add or we think it's really 
uh, faux circus sideshow to begin with? You can ask and we'll answer. But that's where I, we leave those things on the back burner most of the time. Baseball trade deadline today. Did you know the NBA's L.A. Clippers are contemplating a name change? I have thoughts. You have questions and comments of your own. Do you believe it would hurt the Clippers if they changed their name? Now, you all know the deal. They have a, an owner who's only been there for about five years, Steve Ballmer. Remember the racist Donald Sterling had to sell the team? You have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George now wearing the Clippers uniform starting the upcoming season. They're actually in the process of moving into a new building. That's a few years away. But certainly it's a fork in the road of a history of a franchise that in most of my youth, the Clippers were regarded as like the piece of toilet paper that accidentally got stuck to the bottom of your shoe. Seriously, for more than a decade, if you ask the all-sports North American question, when you think of misery consistently in the sports world, which franchise do you think of? I know there are other candidates, but the L.A. Clippers in basketball for decades were one of the answers to that question. So I'd be a little more open-minded about a revolutionary name change given all that I just described. Would it hurt the Clippers if they changed their name? You can chime in. They have been sharing the L.A. market with the Lakers for 35 years now. They have shared an arena with the Lakers for 20 years now. You can chime in on that question of the day. Would it hurt the Clippers if they changed their name? Certainly, if you have a new nickname in mind, we will forward that to Steve Ballmer and the other folks at the L.A. Clippers. Fighting is down in the National Hockey League. And Puck Daddy, Greg Wyshynski, recently wrote at it at ESPN, wrote about it at ESPN.com. We'll get to that today, perhaps. The MLS All-Star Game is tonight. And their expansion committee meeting is today in Orlando. Eight ownership groups are in attendance in Orlando as we speak. Two of the eight ownership groups in Orlando represent the great state of North Carolina. One is from Charlotte. Another is from Raleigh. Those two are considered by most among the six best candidates to get an MLS expansion franchise. If you have questions about that, we have answers about that. 1-800-849-2761. The MLS has said, do not expect a franchise expansion announcement tonight at the All-Star Game. Months ago, might have been a year ago, the MLS commissioner, Don Garber, who's been a guest on our show, said that there would be an expansion announcement tonight. Now, that's gone. They've changed this timetable many times. In fact, we have Don Garber on MLS expansion in his own words. We'll play that for you on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. So there will be an all-star game. St. Louis and Sacramento are expected to be the next two MLS franchises. But again, no announcement for anybody tonight, according to the revised timetable. Las Vegas... Phoenix, Charlotte, and Raleigh are the next four best contenders as the MLS goes from their current 24. They already have announced three expansion teams. That gets you to 27. St. Louis and Sacramento believe they're about to be in the coming months, 28 and 29. MLS has already stated they're getting to 30. 
Maybe eventually they get to 32, where the NFL and other sports leagues are. Just remember, Vegas and Phoenix, along with Charlotte and Raleigh, would love to be number 30, 31, or 32. And for the first time in my 32-year career covering sports in North Carolina, I actually believe our state has a great chance of getting the MLS. I don't mean with an announcement this year, but I, I believe David Tepper has put Charlotte in the driver's seat to become MLS franchise number 30. And I believe if Raleigh can get that downtown stadium done, uh, the Raleigh bid surges toward the top of this list and pecking order as well. More on that story through the course of today's program. Will Zeke and the Cowboys work something out as Zeke is in Cabo? Will Melvin Gordon and the Chargers work something out as Phillip Rivers wants his star running back back so that the, he can make a run to his first trip to a Super Bowl. Michael Thomas's holdout is over. Julio Jones still wants a new deal in Atlanta. We'll get to all of that and our guests. Tim Brando from Fox Sports, Ron Green Jr. on golf in the Wyndham Championship, David Newton live from Carolina Panthers camp, and our classic sports movie challenge sprinkled at the beginning of our number three. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. College football players report tomorrow and begin practice Friday. Is LeBron James really an attention junkie? whose theatrics at his son's basketball games are designed to build his social media brand and to feed his desperate need for attention. If you want to chime in on that, you can. 1-800-849-2761. Hope you'll join us next on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Bob and Kerry wants to get the phone calls rolling. We're visiting Panthers camp with David Newton of ESPN, third hour. We have a classic sports movie challenge, third hour. Tim Brando of Fox Sports joins us in about 35 minutes. College football and other things. Ron Green Jr. will help us ramp into the Wyndham Championship. Competitive play begins tomorrow. They've already had a lot of fun Monday, Tuesday, and earlier today. The second of the two annual PGA Tour stops here in our backyard as we come at you live in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns. And as we welcome your phone calls from there, 1-800-849-2761. Quick baseball news not related to today's trade deadline. The Paul Bunyan-esque first baseman for the New York Yankees, the guy named Luke Voigt, is going back on the injured list, we learned this morning, and could, depending on the diagnosis of the severity of his sports hernia, could even be out for the remainder of the regular season. Now, Red Sox fan Darren Vaught, producer of this program, I think I know you well enough to know that whereas I can't imagine you're sad when bad things happen to the Yankees, I also can't imagine you're laughing or cheering when it involves an injury to a member. No, of the I, I don't root for injuries. That's barbaric. Do you agree with me that your Red Sox are behind only the Dodgers, Astros, and Yankees as we determine who's buyers and who's sellers right here uh, in these final hours, three and a half hours before the annual trade deadline? Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that evaluation. Uh, the Sox need to prioritize the bullpen. And uh, I, I've seen it rumored that maybe they get Diaz from the Mets, but, you know, he's brand new to them this year. So we'll I'm not see. convinced about him either. Yeah. I, I know his, he's got good stuff, but he's taken a beating this year as a closer. Yankees need a starter. Sox need a closer. Nationals need bullpen slash setup help. They have a good closer there. Braves just got some bullpen help. We'll see how the rest of the dominoes fall between now and that 4 p.m. deadline. 1-800-849-2761. One quick thing on the NFL holdouts and why I like having owners who are so wealthy 
that they end up mattering in cases like holdouts and a lot of other contexts. What do we get from fans a lot? I'm a hardliner, DG. I'm a hardliner. And Michael Thomas of the Saints was drafted in the second round out of Ohio State. And I know he's overproduced in his first three years with the Saints. But, man, he signed that contract, and he was scheduled to make $1 million in year four, roughly $1 million, even as the most prolific wide receiver in the NFL. The hardliner fan, not all of you, but many of you, no shortage of these calls over decades here at the David Glenn Show. He signed the contract. He's playing the game he loves and becoming a millionaire as a result. Why should I feel sorry for him when he's overproducing his million dollars a year when I have plenty of players as a hypothetical owner who are underproducing my $10 million a year contract, and I don't get to ask for the $9 million back from them, so why should I give this dude? I mean, Michael Thomas, scheduled to make $1 million, was asking close to $20 million a year. Well, guess what? He got a five-year, $100 million extension, $61 million of it guaranteed. You know what I usually say to those fans? That's why he's a billionaire or she's a billionaire and you're not. Because I can be hardliner as well. And in fact, the Julio Jones story is way closer to a gray area. If you're the Saints owner and you really want to win, I'm not saying you don't. We all like to make money. I've always said, if you're worried too much about annual profits, you're not rich enough to be an owner for me. And I'm dead serious about that. We live in a world where the value of your franchise keeps going up and up and up. If you broke even annually on the spreadsheet for 10 years, you're actually making hundreds of millions of dollars just by breaking even because the values of these franchises keep going up. So cry me a freaking river if you're the billionaire owner and in some years your team loses money or makes money, and we all know the fuzzy math that can happen with accounting. Some of the times they're saying they're losing money. This is college sports and pro. Some of the times they're saying it, it's an exaggeration because they have a second pocket somewhere related to whatever, concessions, parking, merchandising, that where, of course, they're making huge profits. They just want you to see that salaries on the outbound compared to these revenues on the inbound – Oh, we keep losing money, DG. We can't. We got to be a hardliner on this stuff. Julio Jones. Here's the more interesting question to me: If you're the Saints owner and you don't give Michael Thomas a more reasonable deal, do you know what you're saying to the 53 guys that end up making your main roster? I don't really respect you because Michael Thomas didn't just have three good years. Do you know what he had? How about 321 catches in his first three seasons with the Saints? That is the most for any player in NFL history at the wideout position in their first three years in this league. And he's scheduled to make $1 million. Why? Because he fell into the second round coming out of Ohio State a few years ago. You know what you have. You know how important he is and what you do. If you're the hardliner, you're going to say, Michael, you signed that contract. I don't owe you more, a penny more than $1.1 million or whatever it was. To me, if you're smarter... You realize this is a violent game. Most of these careers are short. These men have families. They don't have a 40- or 50-year window to make their money the way the typical American might. They have a tiny window a lot of the time, especially in football. 
And when you've proven it, not for one year, not for two years, but for three years, Michael Thomas set franchise records last year with 125 catches, 1,400-plus receiving yards. He also had nine touchdown catches. So that's three years of excellence, one year of record-setting excellence, and it was this past year. There's no injury concerns. There's no other red flags lingering back there. If you're the hardliner, you say play for your $1 million that you signed that contract for or don't play at all. And if you're a hardliner, you are killing one of Drew Brees' final seasons in his prime. That's what hardliner gets you. I know some of you still think that. I'm just telling you, if I were an advisor in your ear as you're playing Twitter tough guy, I'm telling you you're shooting yourself in the foot financially and competitively if you play Twitter tough guy with a record-setting wideout like Michael Thomas. I do think it's different with Julio Jones. And I think the Falcons are going to dodge a holdout bullet in part because Arthur Blank doesn't care about how much money he makes or loses in a given year. Again, the guy's a billionaire. Of course, money matters. But Arthur Blank was the co-founder of Home Depot, for crying out loud. (laughs) Arthur Blank's net worth is estimated to be $5 billion. And not long ago, he sold something for $3 billion with a B. So he might be worth even more than that. Forbes calls him one of the 400 wealthiest human beings on planet Earth. That's Arthur Blank owner of the Atlanta Falcons. I don't blame you if you have a different conversation with Julio Jones than you have with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, again, dramatically, he's producing at a $20 million a year level while getting paid $1 million a year. And again, not once, three years in a row. Reward the guy. He only had a year left. The only reason the rules were that way was because he was picked in the second round. You know you got a steal. You know he's overproduced for you for three years. Now, hopefully, you give him the big dollars, as announced today, five-year extension, $100 million, $61 million guaranteed. Now, maybe it's more of a fair trade. Maybe he underproduces, but he's still a young man. No injuries, no youth, no uh, age issues. Think of it this way with Julio Jones. And this is why, again, the Falcons, I think, are going to dodge this bullet, but only because Arthur Blank is the opposite of the hardliner NFL Twitter tough guy. These guys signed these contracts. Who do they think they are? They're entitled. They don't appreciate getting to play a game for millions of dollars. You know, we've all heard that argument. It's a closer call to me, that the, and the Falcons are going to again dodge it because Arthur Blank is printing money in the backyard. Julio Jones is coming off a of foot surgery. Julio Jones is already 30 years old. Now, Julio Jones produces... But Julio Jones didn't just sign a contract that was given to him as an NFL rookie. I look at Michael Thomas in New Orleans differently because that that deal, like however good your agent is, when you're drafted out of Ohio State, your agent's not getting you tons of extra money. It's all written into the deal. It's all baked into the cake. Where are you drafted? This is the window. It's not every down to the penny in every case. But this is how much you're getting over this many years because you were drafted here. That's how simple it is nowadays. So when Michael Thomas overproduces for three straight years and he didn't have any discretion other than signing, like what are your choices? Sign it or don't sign it coming out of Ohio State. That's not exactly free negotiation, right? If I were Arthur Blank, I would look at Julio Jones differently. This is not his rookie contract. This is Julio Jones on a deal that made him one of the highest-paid wideouts in the NFL. 
and still having two years left and 21 million left over those two years, when guys start making noise two years out and it's not their rookie deal, am I being a tough guy hardliner by saying, hey, Julio, man, why'd you sign the deal three years ago? If you underproduced, I didn't have a safety net, right? Depending on how much money was guaranteed. So why are you coming back to me with two years left when you're getting paid well, more than $10 million a year, and yeah, you're producing well, but you are 30, unlike Michael Thomas. You are coming off foot surgery, unlike Michael Thomas. You're entering your ninth year in the National Football League. And th- this was totally fair negotiation three years ago. Nobody put a gun to your head. At the time, you were being paid like the best wide receiver in the NFL or close to it. Are you surprised that the numbers went up? Like, who anymore should be surprised? No agent should be surprised when the highest paid fill-in-the-blank gets more money the next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. It's been that way for three decades, for crying out loud. I have less sympathy for the on-his-second-contract Julio Jones, who's, who has less negotiating power to me. Again, Arthur Blank is going to make this problem go away. He has already promised... Julio Jones, a new deal, and some believe they wanted to wait and see Michael Thomas's money, $20 million a year is what it turned out to be. Julio and the Falcons wanted to see what that number was so that Julio can say, well, now I want you to make me the highest paid receiver $1 more or whatever than what Michael Thomas just got in New Orleans. Would you give 30-year-old coming off a of foot surgery Julio Jones, would you make him like a five-year deal? The end, by the end of that, he's 35 years old? I love him. I respect him. He's amazing. He was incredible in college. He's been amazing through eight years in the NFL. At some point, Julio Jones is being unfair to Arthur Blank. Even in the NFL context, even in a violent sport like football, even in a world where, yes, your career spans are much shorter. I'm so glad that David Tepper is the owner of the Carolina Panthers because that guy worth $13 billion When push comes to shove and these franchise direction-altering decisions have to be made, the Saints just did the right thing. And now Drew Brees doesn't have to worry about whether he has Michael Thomas setting more records at wide receiver. The Falcons, I don't know if they're doing the right thing. We haven't seen the number yet. We haven't seen how many years into the future they're going to extend him. But it sounds like they're going to make Julio Jones happy one way or another so that Matt Ryan doesn't have to worry about whether he has that guy. Tom Dundon, owner of the Hurricanes, has been a breath of fresh air because he has shown a willingness to put his money where his mouth is as a guy worth a couple billion dollars. David Tepper has made crystal clear, man, I'm going to build a state-of-the-art facility on the other side of the South Carolina border. I'm going to spend my own money to bring an MLS franchise to Charlotte. I am going to spruce up Bank of America Stadium to keep my Panthers fans happy and to help attract that MLS franchise. Obviously, the stadium is the big deal there. He's not cutting corners, and that's a guy who left his hedge fund, which is what made him worth $13 billion. In two cases, at least, we have the kind of owners that are giving our teams the best chance to compete on the field. The Saints on Michael Thomas, it was a no-brainer, unless you're the hardliner who, again, that's probably why you're not a billionaire. The Julio Jones decision, we might not know until we see the numbers. That's a bigger roll of the dice for Arthur Blank. But if you're the co-founder of Home Depot and you're worth $5 billion, don't sweat the small stuff. 
Just make sure Matt Ryan has Julio Jones to throw to this fall. 1-800-849-2761. The MLS All-Star Game is tonight. Their expansion committee is meeting as we speak in Orlando. You can see the best of the MLS, by the way, taking on international club Atletico Madrid, 8 o'clock FS1 tonight. There are eight and only eight ownership groups in Orlando, Florida, as we speak, some of them talking to members of the MLS expansion committee. Two of the eight expansion clubs, or would-be, wannabe expansion clubs, are representing our state. Charlotte is there in Orlando. Raleigh is there in Orlando. Where do our two cities fit in that pecking order? And what did the MLS commissioner, Don Garber, just say about the MLS expansion timetable? At one point, he said today was going to be the day that MLS team number 28 was going to be announced. Most people thought it would be St. Louis, maybe Sacramento. Now he says there's not going to be that sort of announcement today. Well, what is he saying about a timetable? And where do Charlotte and Raleigh fit in the pecking order? I'll tell you this. They're both in the current top six. That's a good place to be because this league's adding 28, 29, and 30. They've already promised they're adding three more. And then most believe they're getting to 32. Well, if you're in the top six and they have five more franchises gradually coming to the MLS, expansion fee, by the way, $200 million for anybody who wants to be a new team in the MLS. That number has grown dramatically, just as the league has grown dramatically. We'll have the MLS commissioner, Don Garber, in his own words, and we'll take your calls on the NFL, baseball trade deadline, Clippers name change, perhaps, in the NBA, college football and other headlines of the day, Tim Brando in 20 minutes, Ron Green Jr. in 60 minutes on the Wyndham Championship and other golf, David Newton live from Panthers Camp third hour, and of course a classic sports movie challenge sprinkled amongst those great guests. 1-800-849-2761, MLS Commissioner Don Garber, and where are Charlotte and Raleigh in this MLS dream pecking order? His words and mine next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. MLS Commissioner Don Garber in his own words momentarily. There are eight and only eight ownership groups in Orlando, Florida as we speak. Tonight is the annual MLS All-Star Game. The MLS has already said it's going from its current 24 teams already playing. They've announced three expansion franchises, so they're at 27 by that standard. And they originally said today, July 31st, 2019, they originally said, we're going to announce the latest decision. Some thought it might be only St. Louis as number 28. Others thought it might be St. Louis as 28 and Sacramento at 29. That was supposed to be July 31st, 2019. We now know that's not going to happen. Don Garber just visited with Taylor Twellman, our, one of our soccer guests here at the David Glenn Show. I have that audio for you momentarily. The bottom line in the bigger picture, as you're probably one in North Carolina, if you're listening as a, a resident of our state, you probably remember when we didn't have any of these things. I got here in this the summer of 1987, and do you know how many top-level professional sports franchises we had in the summer of 1987, Darren Vaught? You were not even a, a glint in your parents' eyes. No, I was point. not born yet by about two years. Uh, was the number zero? That number was zero. And when I say top level, I mean Major League Baseball. Right. Again, everybody knows how much I love the Durham Bulls, the Charlotte Knights, et cetera. Top level, biggest sports top level, we had zero. 
I mean, now we have three. No Major League Baseball yet and not going to happen in my career. No Major League Soccer, but I actually believe Charlotte as we speak, thanks to the money and the motivation of David Tepper, the Panthers owner, I believe that Charlotte is the favorite for MLS franchise number 30. So, again, they're probably behind St. Louis and Sacramento. Those two may be announced by the end of this calendar year. I'm going to give you the commissioner, Don Garber, in his own words, spoken to Taylor Twellman. You'll hear the ESPN announcer's voice in the middle of all this. But I have for the last 30 years, if somebody asked me, are we going to get MLB anytime soon? For 32 years running, my answer is no. I mean, hell no is the honest answer. No chance. Not anytime soon anyway. I'm not betting on anything 20 years from now. Weird stuff happens. You all know the basic of these equations. Our state has been described, sometimes the triangle, sometimes the triad, sometimes Charlotte, sometimes other amazing parts of our state, Wilmington and others to our east, Asheville and others to our west, Boone is an amazing college town, Greenville is a wonderful city to our east as well. In various ways, they're all in growth mode. And in some cases, they've been in growth mode demographically for seriously three-plus decades. I have seen the triangle listed as one of the best places to move in America. On those U.S. News and other report, uh, U.S. News and other magazine or website nowadays, uh, annual summaries, it's either subjectively described as one of the best places to move, or you just crunch the numbers, what cities have seen the greatest growth of their population? And we keep seeing triad, we keep seeing triangle, we keep seeing Charlotte in both the subjective and the objective. So, of course, we grew to a point where it's like North Carolina has become the most populous state with none of these professional teams. And some were skeptical because we're such a deep, rich college culture. We love our college basketball. We love our college football. We love our NASCAR. We love our golf, etc. Some wondered how the professional culture would mix and mesh in various markets. Well, when we got so populous, and now we're like the eighth most populous in the whole country in terms of state by state, well, we added the Hornets in the late 80s. We added the Panthers to the NFL in 1995. We added the Hurricanes in the NHL in 1997. Now, there's got to be a culture involved. There's got to be a rich owner involved. There's got to be a stadium ready. It's more complicated than pure demographics. But when we became demographically more relevant, guess what? We got the NBA, then the NFL, then the NHL. Those same forces, demographics plus culture, are still in play. Here's how Don Garber described why the timetable te- keeps changing and what's exactly happening tonight at the MLS All-Star Game. You know, we've got to make a decision, you know, sometime soon, Taylor. There's no specific timetable, but we need to have that 28th team selected. You know, St. Louis and Sacramento are bidding hard for that uh, remaining spot, the 28th spot. Uh, both have great new ownership groups. Both have great stadium plans. We'll get our expansion committee together, get our ownership together, and we'll try to make a decision sometime this year. Don, is there any way you could finagle a, a situation where you see both Sacramento and St. Louis come in immediately? I don't see that happening, okay. Taylor, but, uh, you know, we've broken the mold so many different yes, we, wet times yes, in different have. ways with expansion. But, you know, we do think we need to uh, select that 28th team and then figure out what if any plans, we have to go beyond that. That was MLS Commissioner Don Garber with ESPN's soccer guru Taylor Twellman. The bottom line, why has the timetable been broken? And and Don Garber's not going to say this in great detail, but when your expansion fee hits $200 million, it takes a little longer to line up the financing. 
And when you are at the level that the MLS has grown to, I've seen some of these documents. It might be like 150 pages of legalese where, you know, maybe you have a new stadium and you've got to show that the local politicians not only are theoretically on board, you have to show, oh, yeah, this much tax money because of this new hotel tax is going to be poured into our parking lots or our building. Now, if you're David Tepper in Charlotte, you have Bank of America Stadium ready to go. If you're Steve Malik in Raleigh, you just have artist renderings, but you're working with local officials. You're working with Kane Realty to make this amazing downtown south area of Raleigh uh, not only the site of a new soccer-specific stadium, but, you know, just amazing multi-purpose use facility. That's a little farther back in the timetable. So why are St. Louis and Sacramento likely to be 28 and 29? They're closer to the finish line. Why is Charlotte risen to, I think, number 30? Because David Tepper has put his money in, into it, has met at the New York headquarters of the MLS, has a presence there in Orlando tonight at the MLS All-Star Game, I really believe it's coming. It's the first time in 30-plus years that I answer to the question, will the MLS be in our state within the next five years? The answer is, for the first time is yes. I'd love to see Charlotte get one in, within the next several or five years, and then maybe Raleigh have a chance to be one of 31 or 32 when the MLS gets to that level. That's a little more speculative and a longer road to get there. But it's fun to see this optimism surrounding the MLS in North Carolina, given several decades in a row of no chance whatsoever. We're back after this on The David Glenn Show. Tim Brando loves college football, but doesn't mind criticizing it either. We'll talk about all sports with one of the great voices from Fox Sports. Timmy B joins us in about five minutes. Ron Green Jr. later on golf. David Newton live from Panthers camp on the NFL, a classic sports movie challenge as well. Tim Brando next on the David Glenn.